0: Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? This is Appetite for Distortion.
1: Welcome to the podcast "Appetite for Distortion," episode ninety-one. My goodness, and I'm glad that uh, our co-host for for the day and guest is okay. Uh, we've I th- I think one time uh, Ernie C from Body Count called up shortly after an earthquake, but now we got Matt McKagan, who's thankfully safe from all the. The fires out in California. I mean, first yeah, of all, hello. we're
2: okay here. It's a little smoky, but but fire passed us, so we're, so we're fine now. Thank goodness.
1: Scary stuff. Um, yeah. I was just watching. Uh, it was retweeted by by Joe Rogan, and I think it was from ABC. Gets to give it credit, but just a video of the fires happening out, out there, and it's just um, something I'm not used to here in, in in New York, and it's unfortunately out in California uh, right now. I'm glad you're okay, but uh, since you're my co-host and you're along. I mean, I don't know what you do as a teacher. If you create projects, this podcast is my my project. So yeah. um, the fires lead into um, and, and be aware. I have some silly sound bites. News.
0: News.
1: See, I may not have matured since middle school, man. Me either. That's why I have
2: stayed with it for so long.
1: Right on. Yeah. No, I completely understand. <laughs> but it, it relates. Yeah. Uh, fortunately and unfortunately, the fires. Not just because. Thankfully, yeah. uh, you're safe but it's affected the guns N' Roses guys as well um I mean the fans the GNR fans are crazy they've kind of pinpointed where Axel's house may be yeah uh, so I don't know there's no been a, there's no official word on how Axel's house is I mean he seems to be okay uh, because he's tweeting uh, in response to Donald Trump which he, he's been doing quite so often uh just okay. the, the, the paraphrase what Trump said he Uh, he says these fires should not be happening and it had to do something with funding. Uh, so Axel's response, which is more important to us, um, actually it's a lack of federal funding that's at the quote root of the, uh, purported fires, uh, forest mismanagement. Only a demented N apostrophe instead of saying, and (laughs) I love it. He keeps the brand on point. Only a demented and truly pathetic individual. Would twist around and use a tragedy to once again misrepresent facts for an attempted public slash political gain at others' expense
2: there you go, you know that tweet that he that he sent out what yesterday has got a lot of people upset, a lot of celebrities down in Malibu upset, so there you go
1: well i mean he doesn't I guess trump doesn't care about the celebrities in Malibu. No, I think it's, it's just not. people are. You know, it's not the time. I think it's a time to be political, and that's what people tell Axel or any of these uh, musicians. Hey, it, it, there's a time and place. Yeah. I don't know. This seems that when it's when it's hurting people, uh, it seems to be a time and place. And I I didn't ex- want this to be a a sad uh, n- uh, shotgun news. And I maybe yeah. I shouldn't have used uh, that. I'll, I'll change it to Guns and Roses news for this uh, this next segment or world news. I should say uh, yeah. there was an, unfortunately a. a here in America, another uh, horrific shooting, and the only reason you know I, I mention it here um, on a Guns N' Roses podcast, because your, your brother, Matt, said something really poignant, and I really don't know how to elaborate on anything else that he said. Um, he yeah. wrote, uh, writes, Oh uh, man, borderline Thousand Oaks, speaking from my family to you who have lost your loved ones, we are beyond sorry and sickened. I don't know what else uh, to say anymore except the word love. Yeah, and uh, and Dell even said he helped raise his two daughters in Thousand Oaks, so it really hit yeah. close to home. So I don't know. I mean, I hope you weren't um, affected by this tragedy any more than you know your your brother and and the rest of us yeah. were, because we're a country together.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Don't know what else to say about that. Those. This has been a tough week for our area. That that shooting was just up the road from us. Yeah, it's been a.
1: A tough week. Uh, well, yeah. let, let's get to uh, let's navigate away from that because it only makes sense, I guess, for my platform, especially when world news ties into Guns N' Roses. Because, yeah, why do a Guns N' Roses podcast? You know, yes, I'm a big fan, but it's such a jumping off point to so many different areas and genres and topics to talk to, and one of which is, is talking to you, uh, Matt McKagan. And we established, I believe, off the air that you prefer Matt over Matthew. You never sure. know. <laughs> yeah. are you the uh the older or younger brother to duff
2: um so duff is number eight i'm number seven so i'm about two and a half years older than duff
1: you know what maybe yeah. i'm a bad g&r fan i had no idea duff was one of eight
2: yeah yep yep our oldest brother john is 20 years older than duff so there's 20 years between the oldest and the youngest
1: okay because I yep. I, th- I think it's in addition to just you know talking GNR and uh, I'm in the oldest of four so uh, I, I have three yeah. younger brothers we're all four years apart okay. my, my mom says she planted that way I don't want to think about it but that's just <laughs> right. what she what she says so I mean I have a yeah. unique older brother uh, uh view they actually say I treat them like a dad sometimes I, yeah I, I can't help it so I don't know it's it'll be interesting yeah. to see if you have that kind of relationship with Duff but before. That I want to find out about you because you know I, I made a reference to uh, me being still mentally in middle school. Right. You're still in middle school as a music and, and band teacher, right?
2: Never left. I never have graduated. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. When I was going to college, I thought that I wanted to. I knew I wanted to be a, a band director, but I didn't think I was going to land in middle school. I always thought I'd do high school. But my first gig was at this middle school that I've been at for. 28 years now, and I've just, it's been such a great gig for me. Never had any reason to leave. Where? It's the, fantastic, yeah.
1: That, that's, a, that's awesome, and I, I love, uh, as opposed to a lot of my interviews who have like a Wikipedia page or something, you have, yeah. you know, Rate My Teacher.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez, I, I haven't looked at that in uh, years and years, decades. Maybe. They're all so
1: overwhelmingly positive.
2: Oh, really? It, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. You actually check that out. Oh, man. Some of them would even like.
1: I thought there were more cause, uh, that would say, yeah, "Yeah, he is the brother of Duff." But none of them oh. was like, "Oh, I love Mr. McKagan. He makes class so much fun."
2: <laughs> oh, that's cool. So, yeah, you just made my day. I, yeah, like I said, I haven't checked that out in a long time because it all it takes is one negative one, and that's kind of you know where it goes. So, oh, for so sure, don't, don't check it out. Yeah.
1: Uh, where did this start for you uh, the rest of your your partridge family all musical like what were the McKagans like growing up because like, you oh all, man
2: shoot um, well, it kinda uh, older brother Bruce, who was uh, probably the my sister Joan, who were older than us, and they were kind of dabbling in in rock and folk type music back in the late sixties seventies and it's just sort of I started playing when I was in like maybe fourth grade and then Duff was started playing and they kind of, I don't know, sort of encouraged us, I guess. Okay. And yeah, so it kind of went from there. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, the encouragement from the older older brother and sister, big part of that.
1: I've tried that. I'm not yeah. musical, but yeah. and obviously I like rock. My, my younger brothers like rock, but they're just not as, you know, none right. of them have tattoos. I have tattoos. Them, okay. I, you know, I have my ears yeah. pierced. I don't have any piercings, so I haven't corrupted corrupted them yeah. as much as I want right. to. Right. But what about your parents? Because my dad got me into Zeppelin,
2: Doors, and my oh, mom got t- me t- into really? Beach
1: Boys. Mm-hmm. You know, and and do up. So what? Like, what were your your, right. your parents like?
2: Well, my parents they were both born in 1924. So wow. They yeah. So they sort of were raised during the big band era. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and maybe a little bit after that, but that was their thing. So when we came along, it was, they were in their late 30s, and I just, yeah, what they were listening to was so far removed from what we were listening to. Just didn't, there was no, we didn't really talk too much about music with them. Okay. My dad was a fireman, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and so there was, you know, they were just kind of doing their thing. Very supportive, especially with my mom, just fantastic, but... Was we didn't get a lot of music from them,
1: you said you're two and a half years older than Duff? yep, so it's different for me, and i I guess I can't help but continue to make the comparison because I'm just trying to see you know I'm still trying to learn how to be an older brother, you know thirty five years in. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I come off as the Jewish grandma. I tell my brothers, "Make sure you wear <laughs> the appropriate jacket when you go outside." Right. I, can't, right. I, 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 I I can't help it, but yeah. Uh, but the four years is a big deal for me because you can be in yeah. middle school uh, while I'm I'm in high school, and it's like a different age like bracket. But for you, yeah. you were you guys in the same school at the same time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
2: yeah. 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 And I I my first instrument was trombone. I started that when I was in fourth grade, and then. Then Dust started playing trombone when he was in the fourth grade, and I was in the sixth grade. So we would practice together sometimes, and the practicing sessions that we were doing would start pretty cool, but end up we would be brawling, like rolling on the floor, wrestling, arguing about something. <laughs> and it just kind of went like that. But it was, yeah, we, yeah, we were both were trombone players. Yeah, he and then he, I was in the the school, high school jazz band, which in Seattle, Roosevelt High School jazz program is still renowned. And and I was fortunate to be a part of that. And Duff actually came through there, too. And he, By that time, he was playing bass, and he played bass in that jazz band. And the, and the director, Waldo King, just a, an amazing guy, he's still alive. I think he's in his 90s. He lives in Oregon. But he said to Duff, he says, hey, man, he said in this kind of a low- jazz voice. He goes, hey, man, that's Rock City. He was trying to get Duff to play jazz, and Duff was w- way more into the rock thing, you know? <laughs> so he goes, that sounds, you know, He Duff just was not kind of clued into the jazz thing. So goes, that's, yeah. So Anyway, he, so he dabbled in, in that program for, for a little bit, in that, that Roosevelt High School jazz program.
1: But See, I had a lot of friends, oh, I wish I could remember the name of the jazz program, because I had a lot of I hate to use the word cause I'm also a, or the phrase because I'm also a, a geek, but like the band geek because that's that was yeah. what, I, you know, growing up. So did, did Duff not fit that? And you were like as happy, you know, uh, you know, maybe playing homecoming. You, did you have any sort of rock star dreams oh. like, yeah, like? Well, I guess you called him Mike at the time.
2: No, I called him Duff. The the Real? guy we had a neighbor that his he was about our age and his name was was Mike. So when our moms would call us for dinner. We didn't know which Mike, you know, so we started calling him Duff. Mc. Uh, I think my dad came up with it because of the Irish McDuff. So I think it started with McDuff, and then it just landed on Duff, and it was, has been that ever since we were, you know, five, six years old, something like that.
0: That young?
2: Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it just, so I, I don't ever remember calling him Mike or Michael.
0: That's
2: something always been Yeah, it's always been Duff, yeah. But the but the band the the band geek thing and the, yeah that I don't know um, I didn't really like doing the marching band thing and the homecoming and all that stuff I was that was not sort of my thing I was more into the jazz stuff okay so, um I, I, I guess there was kind of a difference but I um, and my focus became the jazz really big time jazz and so Duff kind of dabbled in that but then he obviously really. Uh, found like the punk scene in in Seattle during that time in the 70s, and that really, really grabbed him and was a big part of his life when when we were teenagers. I was going toward the jazz thing and the the college thing, and he was going toward the, the punk thing and playing in bands. And, you know, there's a long list of bands that he played in during those those years and then i came down to southern california in 1981 or 82 moved down here by myself to go to go to school down here and he then moved down a year after i did I think it they must have been 82 or 83 and we lived together and i was working at black angus to you know because i needed to have income and so i was working at black angus to pay the rent and then duff when duff came down he, I got him a job there too. So we both were working in the kitchen at Black Angus hmm. and he did that for, I don't know, maybe six months, but I was focused on going to school and he was focused. We were living in Northridge at the time and he was focused on going over the hill into Hollywood all the time. That was his thing. So he would work some of the time at Black Angus in Northridge. And then, um, that's in the San Fernando Valley. And then he would, uh, in the evenings, he would then travel into Hollywood trying to to hook into, you know, different things there. And eventually he moved out of being with me and moved into, down to, he found this cockroach-infested apartment just up the street from Groman's Chinese Theater in Hollywood. And that it wasn't long after that that he hooked up with, uh, you know, Axel and Slash and those guys.
1: When that's happening, when he's, when you're like, you're doing the, um, I guess, the... The route that parents want you to go, you know. I
0: guess.
1: I guess so. You guess college. But yeah. did you ever think about like with all my, bro- my my brothers? Like, yeah, I have my career in radio and it's certainly a yeah. challenge. I definitely don't have yeah much savings. But my my brother yeah. Tristan, he's in the mental health field. He's not sure what he wants to do with it. My brother yeah. Logan, he went to vet school, but now he's like, I want to do architecture. My brother Cameron's in Penn State trying to figure out what he wants to do. Yeah. So right. I try to give them advice. Or just to yeah. listen to them, like, did you have any yeah. sort of, hey, you know what, uh, come yeah. to college with me? Maybe the band thing's not going to work out, or you're like, you know what, my brother's yeah. going to be a rock star.
2: I know. Oh, what. you know, okay. Well, that's a really good question. I, I think the only way that I can answer that is to say that up until uh, all my brothers and sisters, up until me, uh, and I guess my older brother Mark, he went into the, he went to the, to the um, service and was in Vietnam. Oh. My older brother, Mark. And happy
1: Veterans Day, by the way. Hey, yeah, the right. Veterans right. Day.
2: Yeah, 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 today, and I guess tomorrow, too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so um, nobody had gone to college. Hmm. It just wasn't part of the conversation back then. Oh. In the, you know, this I guess, 50s with my older brothers and sisters in the 60s. It wasn't part of the conversation, so... It became part of the conversation for me because of music. I don't know, if I hadn't have found music in, in high school, I don't know that I would have gone to college. Oh, okay. Because that the, I went to college because I wanted to continue with music. And that was the only way that the kind of music, the jazz stuff, that's what people did. And that's what people do now. You get into jazz or classical music, whatever, and you go to college and you keep studying it. So that's what I did. and And if... That, so I, I don't know what would have happened if I – and I knew when I was in high school that I wanted to be a, a band director. I just knew. So I guess I was kind of lucky in that, that I kind of knew what I wanted to do. So the, I guess the question is if Duff hadn't have hit it like he did, what would he have done? And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what he would have done. I mean, he's a very smart guy, as everybody that knows him For can sure. tell you. Very bright guy. So maybe he would have ended up in college. I don't know. But it wasn't the p- part of the conversation when we were kids. Like when my kids were growing up, we were saying, okay, you know, uh, when you go to college, you know, it was always like, when right, you go. Right. But, and, and and we never, it was not part of the conversation when we were kids. It and, just wasn't.
1: And But there was still some sort of, okay, maybe after high school, uh, you get a job. Was yeah. there? So if that was the, the path, not college, was it any, yeah. hey, Duff, get a job? Or, you yeah, know, right. The,
2: well, he did have jobs. I mean, we worked at, at a, uh, wow, well, man, this place in Seattle, he had a couple of jobs where he worked in kitchens in, in Seattle, and then he worked at Black Angus with me. I suppose that could have ended up being, being a career, you know, doing okay. something like that. Like I worked at, at, you know, like I said, Black Angus. I could have stayed there, or I worked at grocery stores up in Seattle before I moved down to California. I could have, I guess I could, after I graduated from high school, could have done that. My, my oldest brother, John, he was a very successful manager for a grocery store up in Seattle. That's what he did. Okay, so, but no college there. But, but that so I that, that could have been the path for both Duff and me. You know, it's just the
1: interesting step that I, I ask uh, musicians or people any, I think anyone I interview like when. You know, when does it become a, when? Is, when does that pipe dream become a reality? Like for me, yeah. I told myself I had to be 28 by the time I was full time in radio, and I had oh, started, okay. and I was full time when I was 28 and a half. I had been in the business for oh. seven years. I mean, oh wow, on air is hard. You can get like a regular oh. full time job, but to be on air is is uh, yeah, I it, bet.
2: But it's very competitive.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. That's uh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the podcast thing is fun. I'm I'm lucky that it's on the uh, the iHeart app because I happen to work here. But awesome. Th- th- what I think about too is uh, my grandfather, who they they grew up during the big band era as well, and he was yeah. raised primarily by. He was the youngest of five.
2: What year was he born? <laughs>
1: Twenty three?
2: Yeah, so right the same age as my parents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, is he still around? Uh he passed away maybe six years ago, I believe he was yeah. 80, he was eighty-nine. But okay. he, he he was raised by his uh his older brothers, and by the time you know he graduated high school, it's like what do you what do we do? and his oldest brother said, Become a pharmacist. That's a very reliable career uh, instead of yeah. odd end jobs. So I was wondering if anyone said that to to Duff because he really is like a one in a million case like that's not going to happen how many of these people I mean maybe did you see uh, the decline of western civilization part two that documentary oh
2: shit uh, I think I did. But I cannot enough to comment on it.
1: Uh, well, I mean, the, just the, the analogy of all yeah. these people that thought they were going to make it during that yeah. era, and then you have oh, no yeah. idea. Yeah.
2: yeah, So that's so true. I mean, I've seen that with like the jazz guys. They they they're in their forties and they're living in a studio apartment, sure. Still trying to find a the big gig. You know, they're doing all these little side jobs, and not and just it's, it's yeah, I feel it's bad tough. for them.
1: It's tough. Even I mean, uh, I have a second job in radio, but is that why, yeah. like, what made you want to become a director? Did you have you mm-hmm. know, I still remember, I think I did take, like, the required music classes uh, in middle school. Oh, I think yeah. uh, Mr. Tand uh, oh, really? from uh, yeah. from uh, what was it, I guess, Baldwin Middle School, I guess. But did you have a specific teacher? Yeah, that, that inspired... Waldo
2: King, that guy that was about was... Waldo King. Yeah, he okay. was a huge, hugely inspirational to me. And then when I went to college, I had some other really great teachers, but it wasn't like if I don't make it as a musician, I'm going to fall back on teaching. It was always I want to get some experiences as a musician so that when I become a teacher, I can relay that to my students. Right. That was that was my thing. I, I, I mean, if if Woody Herman would have called me or Sand Kenton or somebody like that or Buddy Rich would have said, hey, I want you in my band, would I have done it? I, for sure. But I don't know that I, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have way more talent than me um and so you know i and I kind of knew that at, at one point, like you know, no matter how hard I practice, I don't know that I could ever be at the level that some of those people are at but but
1: you never know i mean it's it's yeah, not nice. it's yeah. I'm sure you could yeah. probably tell me better than I could tell you yeah. it's not just the the technical aspect of the yeah. instrument, it's just the yeah. You know, the, the flavor, the aura, the, the way—that's yeah. what they say about Stephen Adler. It's not that maybe he's right. the t- most technically proficient, like Matt right. Sorum, but yeah. there's something about that feel that makes it yeah. different.
2: Yeah, but, yeah but, but, but that was my, my thing. I, I wanted to get experiences playing so I could relate that to my students. That so that it wasn't teaching was not a fallback career for me not at all.
1: Okay, so that was just like so you pretty much followed your dream and you you got it, it, it pretty early.
2: I guess yeah I got it yeah uh, yeah I I guess I'm lucky that way and I've never I mean I've been at, I've only had the one gig at that one school and I've never left it. I mean that's been I don't know too many people that 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 have had that same experience with you know one gig their whole career. I mean, I'll, you know, I'm not going to leave. I'll retire from this job. Mm. You know, I thought, I mean, I got my administration, my, my master's in administration thing and I could eventually become a, you know, administrator somewhere, Mm -hmm. but I just don't, so I've got that, but I I just like being in the classroom with the students. I really dig dig it.
0: When
1: did
2: you become full-time? Teacher? Yeah. Oh, my my first, yeah, uh, in 1990. Okay. That's when I started this job at Lindero Canyon Middle School. Started teaching there in 1990 and never left.
1: Okay, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm thinking of the time frame because I want to know where you were, where, oh. when your brother it just yeah. it just launched. So I would like to go yeah. through your, yeah. your mindset of just like well, oh my god, my brother well, is on every magazine on the planet. I know.
2: So we were we were living together when that happened. So he he was married to Mandy and I was living in Northridge and and then he they split and got a divorce and. He asked me if I'd come and move in with him just to give him some support, and I was happy to do that. So it wasn't that far from where I was living. He was in the valley, and so we moved together. And it wasn't—it was. I remember that's kind of when the the band started to hit, and it was. I remember going to the grocery store with him uh, off of Laurel Canyon, and and um, there we were like walking down the produce aisle or something, and. People were saying, hey, there's Duff McKagan. And it was, you know, like the week before we were doing the same grocery shopping thing. And it was just like we were two normal guys. And then that week later, I mean, it was really happened. It, it probably happened slower than that, but it seemed, thinking about it, was really fast. And pretty soon we couldn't, you know, couldn't go out. And uh, it was, yeah. And I remember going to see him when they were, they were um, touring with Aerosmith early on. I don't know. I met 1985 or 86, something like that. And I went and saw him, and I was way in the back at some outside amphitheater thing down in Orange County, and looking up. And Aerosmith had played, and then Guns N' Roses comes out. Everybody was freaking out. And I remember seeing that first time I saw him on stage in front of you know thousands of people. Before that, we I went. In a, we were called the Suicide Horns, and we. Did some gigs with with Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. on, sun, in, on Sunset in Hollywood. And early on, and there were more people on the stage than there were in the audience. I mean, it was really <laughs> people were throwing bottle caps and cigarette butts at the band, and and it was really funny. And and so and then we played. Um, uh, well, it it kind of built from there, but but then so I was with the band for a few gigs like that, and then and then the next time I saw them was. In that huge arena in front of thousands of people, and it was really weird <laughs> it was yeah it was yeah like wow that's yeah, so that,
1: that's interesting uh, perspective because yeah I w- obviously I want to talk about the contributions and being playing with your brother walling guns yeah. and, and the band yeah. but they go yeah. from the suicide horns one just say yeah. one day yeah. the next day it's like it's a complete one eighty so yeah, how did that uh happen when Duff asked you to, to was it kind of a You know, let's let's see how this goes. Is it like let's do the special kind of show?
2: Like, what was the? Well, move to the city. That when we did that, the band wasn't known at all then, and and so I went down to this little crappy little uh, recording studio in Hollywood with this other guy who we were both from Seattle. We went to high school together with the the sax player, and we did we did the horn lines for Move to the City. It was just and we didn't get paid for it or anything. We just went in and did it because they didn't have any money to pay us anyway. We just did it, you know, for my brother, and and um, and then we and then things hit pretty big, and they, then they came out with um, uh, Welcome to the Jungle. But that was but that this was right before that, and right. and then when they they yeah so then when then they did that Steel Wheels tour, and they they were playing with um, Living Color. And uh, the Stones, Stones was that was the big act. So it was, I think it's open with Living Color. That's the band's name, right? Yeah. And then GNR, and then Stones. And so we w- went out. We had the Suicide Horns for that gig it was at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. Okay. And we played in front of about a hundred thousand people. We did it four nights in a row. And and so I would do that gig with the band. And they would we would they would bring a limousine, and we you know it was very. You know, I felt like a rock star, and so do that at night, and then go back to my apartment, and then go do my student teaching in the morning the next day at 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 the school, this random school out in in this area, sort of a you know outskirts of L.A., and then leave that gig and go back to the Coliseum, and it was really weird. And I remember seeing this one student, and she had Axel's name scratched on her arm. At the she was one of the students, and it was like wow. She didn't know that I was, you know, any involved with the band. I didn't say anything to the I was
1: going to ask you, did you come in yeah. wearing, like,
2: the, the tour no.
1: T-shirt? Like, no, hey, no, kids. no, 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 <laughs> no. I kept
2: it quiet, man. Kept it quiet. But it was weird. It was a weird contrast to go and play in front of 100,000 people and then come back to my apartment and then go do my student teaching the next morning, you know, at this little middle school, and, and then go back and do that. It was weird. But, yeah, so that, that was that was the Suicide Horns at the Coliseum in Iowa, 1989. That's when that was,
1: 89. That's yeah. uh, that's absolutely incredible. When you were uh, recording, because you said you were just doing it a favor for your brother, you weren't getting yeah. paid. Did you say think anything was special about that song? Because to this day, Move to the City is one of my favorite GNR songs. Is it really? Uh, oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, I love like every version. Actually, my favorite version just came out, and that was with the box set the uh, acoustic stripped-down version.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But
1: obviously the, the horns, I mean, I grew up on the the live era and obviously uh, Lies and... Uh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I went, still yeah. one of my favorite GNRs. See, I, I grew up with it not being... I mean, I knew about Appetite, but I came in with the Illusion era. That was my... when.
2: Oh, when. yeah. So that I kn- later. Yeah.
1: knew it being a full band huh. and the horns, and I was just always into it. I said that to the yeah. both Teddy, Zigzag, and Roberto. I'm like, to me, that's... I love that version of Guns N' Roses. it's oh, yeah. it's, it's a full, yeah, yeah. it's a full rock band, and I, uh, yeah. I dig it. But did you yeah. think anything of a move to the city when you were recording it, or like, hey, this is just not, a cool track?
2: No, I thought it was cool, but I, I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was going to be a, I know, I, I just went down to do it and thought it was cool and fun, and, and that's, but that's about it. So I didn't really get much thought after that.
1: Did he, did Duff play you and you've, um, you know? Appetite before it broke, and say, "Hey, yeah, bro.
2: yeah, yeah." Well, I heard them playing all the tunes when we were playing uh, the uh, those gigs on Sunset. Sure, back in like 1980, I forgot the year. It must have been 84, 85, something like that.
1: And what were you thinking then? Were you thinking like, "Wow," or
2: this is just yeah? A it's it's, a cool I, this is pretty cool. I mean, these guys are hustling their asses off. I mean, they were they, back in those days. You could plaster your your posters up on the telephone poles and try to advertise for your gigs sure. at these clubs in Hollywood. Now you can't do that, you gotta pay to play. But in those days you didn't have to. So they were hustling, man, trying to, you know, advertise their gigs and then they would they would do them and it just they worked really hard at it.
1: Did you put a flyer up in the um, the auditorium, in the bulletin board, kind of like,
2: you know? The, yeah,
1: the after-school uh, programs.
2: <laughs> Did you help that out? Was before I, that was before I got my teaching gig. But, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe next to, like, Kelly's babysitting service, you would have <laughs> put no. up a flyer for GNR. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I would do that now, for sure. <laughs> Love it. Uh, another yeah.
1: question I'm thinking about, because— you know when my brothers come here and I show them around the radio station, like, and they they just think yeah. it's cool. But yeah. when you went back, when you are playing with your brother in front of a hundred thousand people, yeah. After the show, did you guys look at each other and be like, "Hey, we used to, you know, flick boogers at each uh-huh. other. Look where yeah. we are now."
2: Yeah, well, sometimes back at the house, but no, there was too much going on. A lot of people around. It just, I, I suppose, it, like in the limo when we were going in, in you know coming back and forth maybe a little bit but there was a lot of stuff going on a lot of people around and there was a lot of you know drinking and stuff going on too so it wasn't you know and there was some stress because of those gigs axel was coming late Mm
0: -hmm.
2: you know that was it was kind of tough times then so there was a lot of distractions i guess that's what i'm trying to say
1: yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I just yeah. didn't know if you did. You had a, like a brother moment to be like, whoa.
2: Oh, yeah, well, we've had, yeah, yeah, certainly we had those moments, but it wasn't always like after the gig. Right. You know.
1: That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of credits also with, with GNR. Uh, there's, uh, there's a picture of you. I mean, we spoke uh, about some of the songs, but there's a picture of you and the Illusion cover. Yeah. How did that come about? Oh,
2: there was a piece we did. Oh, I forgot about that. We did, um, you know, that Paul McCartney tune.
1: Yeah, Live and Let Die?
2: Yeah, Live and Let Die. We did that. Yeah, and that was that was really fun. Of course the band was huge then when we did that, but and my wife played Piccolo on that. It goes oh, okay. da 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 boop, da da, da, boop, da boop. She did the pick part on that. So that was she I married a, a flute player. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, that was that was that was just another thing uh, I think they may have paid us for that. I I don't know, maybe 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 not, I'm not sure but um, that was fun, though. That was really fun. I got a couple of buddies of mine, the trumpet players, and we went in and did that. And that was, that was a lot of fun. And I just did something with Duff a couple of weeks ago down in Echo Park. He's working on a project, and we, I grabbed a couple of friends of mine, and we went down there and played on it on a tune.
1: Yeah we've, yeah, we've heard rumors of this project. We don't know yeah. uh, what it is yeah. yet, so I'm definitely not going to probe you for what Yeah,
2: for, for uh, yeah I think it's going to be really good, though.
1: I have no doubt. I mean, that's what yeah. a, another w- why I've been able to continue this podcast for 90 to 1 episodes. It's not just talking GNR, but it's talking about all these. I've used yeah. the analogy of like spin off sitcoms. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, yeah. or spin off characters, which uh, you are. I mean, you know, obviously a loose phrase. You're not a spin off. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
1: You know, you, you alluded to it before, and you cannot answer this because I'm I'm pretty open about. Uh, my uh, past addictions and my past uh, struggles, I, th- I believe uh, next ye- uh, month, it'll be three years since I've had a drink.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn, that's great, man.
1: Thank you. Awesome. Uh, and so that's what I th- a lot of people are inspired by, the Guns N' Roses guys. Yeah. Now. I mean, maybe back oh. in, in the day it was, you know, even for me, oh, it's cool drinking and drugging is cool, yeah. but now it's, it's really a different world, and, and Duff has become a role model he he really has
2: yeah uh yeah a I, great role model yeah man
1: i don't know and, and i can i guess i'll just preface it with cuz i want to be open honest about myself i don't expect you know you just to open up but you know with with my struggles my younger brothers have had their battles too and it's hard seeing your your younger brother or any family member struggle with that did you right. like are you able to talk about what it was like to see that there was a certain moment, like, Hey, you know, th- these drinking and, and is part of the gig of being a rock star, but you know what? Yeah. This is going a bit too far. And, and I, yeah, and well,
2: it, there was, it was just was a part of the scene. You couldn't get away from it, you know? And that's just what everybody was doing. And, and it, I don't know to step back and, and say, I, I suppose I could have been better about saying, Hey, you know, think about what you're doing and how much you're doing. I it just wasn't, it wasn't part of the conversation. It just wasn't. And it, sh- I guess it should have been, but it just wasn't. You know, when I was living with him, there, there, um, there was, I mean, all that was going on. There was vodka around all the time. There was, you know, other stuff too. And, and, but it just wasn't something we talked about. We just, we just didn't.
1: I think back then, as opposed yeah. to now, yeah. the self-awareness now with yeah, addiction right. and depression yeah. and disease is more so. Uh, I mean, hindsight's yeah. twenty-twenty. There, believe yeah. me, there are certain no. things with my my family and friends. I'm like, oh, I, I should have said something. So yeah, I, 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 I changed my approach now. Yeah. That's all yeah. you can do. Oh uh,
2: yeah. Well, we, we were like in our you know young mid twenties, and and we weren't thinking about you know the the health aspects of drinking too much or doing drugs or whatever it just wasn't we weren't thinking about it
0: mm. you
2: know you live forever i guess thinking that, i guess you don't just we were. not well we didn't think about it maybe other people do but that's not something we thought about he was definitely doing it way more than i was i was and then i i got married and moved out and and things for me calmed down quite a bit then <laughs> but but not but not for him obviously right until yeah and
1: well, yeah. let me read a, a couple of uh, listener comments that I think yeah. it will, it will help. Uh, this is from yeah. uh, Mr. Mack uh, from Ireland. He says, uh, they must have been so relieved when Duff uh, got sober and healthy. And my favorite yeah. part of his first book in this period is when he got uh, gets into cycling and martial arts and learns about eating well. Very inspiring. Yeah. Uh, and this yeah. is from, you know, this is, a, I guess, more of a question, to you. This is from Jeannie also on Twitter. I'd be very interested to know when he noticed Duff really began to turn his life around. I don't. I, I guess you kind of answered that, but uh, how much did you worry about uh, him before then? And where do you think this? I guess this is the the good question. Uh, where do you think Duff gets the inner, the amazing inner strength that he possesses?
0: Where do you oh, think he gets those, that?
2: Yeah, those are those are really good questions. I don't know that I can answer. I don't know how thoroughly I can answer those in in a short amount of time, but. But he, through the – he's mentioned the, the, the martial arts the, and the, the cycling and stuff. That was a huge part of it because he found this guy named Benny the Jet. Have you heard about, about Benny?
1: I know Benny the Jet from The, the Sandlot. The no. movie? Yeah.
2: Oh, well, Benny the Jet is uh, <laughs> he, he's a, a – he was a martial arts guy, a kickboxer, like just a, an extraordinary kickboxer. And, very, and, and he opened up this, this, um, this gym – in not far from where duff was living and duff and he got hooked up together and it changed duff's life this guy was you know kind of took duff under his wing and really started to help him out and gave him a focus inside the ring and duff was able to kind of transfer that focus inside the ring to his whole life and it really really changed him it was a huge part of it huge part of it was recovery was that, was Benny the Jet and that kickboxing, that then the discipline that goes into it. And it really, really helped him out. The, our family tried to do an intervention up in Seattle. I, I forgot what year it was, but I had a feeling it was not going to be successful. So I flew up there, and the whole family met at my mom's house, and they had this, this interventionist come. And then Duff came, and we were all there waiting for him. And he took one look at, at us and this lady came out and said hey your family's here because they care about you and they you know think that there's some stuff going on and he went oh no way and he turned and left and ran out and i ran after him and went to a bar (laughs) and then we when we flew back to la and it was but it was too too soon too much too soon and i had the feeling that was not gonna gonna work but he finally figured it out but i think he had to do it on his own
1: I get that. Uh, yeah. it's, it's you have to be ready. It, it took yeah. me a long time to be ready. I mean, just for me to go to a therapist, it took yeah. me years to finally accept it. Like I, yeah. I, I need to do this for, for myself. So yeah, I mean, yeah. it's good to know that as a family you were there, and because that's all you can do. And it's frustrating right. when you're, you're yeah. trying to help and yeah. they're not accepting it. But but thankfully, uh, yeah, you know, because out of that era, there's so many tragedies that he's. Yeah. Not that he's not not just not a tragedy, that yeah. he's beyond a success yeah. story.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great. Admire him a lot for okay. what he's been able to do, yeah.
1: Are you um I guess it's I'm asking this kind of uh facetiously, are you more jealous of the Guns N' Roses stuff or the fact that he invested in a Starbucks?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean Yeah. I'm, I'm just happy for him. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, he's a good brother. Yeah, we're good for each other. I think. But he's been, yeah, been, yeah, it's great. When I he he got off the plane yesterday morning, and I think it was Manila, some some somewhere. Yeah, and, he, yeah. and he goes, man, I just I just heard about, about what's going on in your area. If, are you okay? You need you know, uh, let me know if you need something. I mean, you know, he's halfway across the world, and he hears about it, and he and he calls me, texts me. And and then his wife calls my wife, and, and they live in a, in a in a community not too far from here, but it's out of the path of the fire. And okay. They were urging us to come over, you know, to, to get out of the smoke. Oof. But it was really cool. I mean, that's just he's just a really caring brother, and we both you know love each other a lot.
1: That, see, that's that's what is, is just so important because uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, you talk to a lot of uh, celebrities, and you just don't know what their family life is going to be like, and yeah. Uh, what I try to, what I've come to understand, the older I get, and you must laugh at that, because again, I'm only 35. Yeah, is just whether you're a Duff McCaig and an Axl Rose, you're really no different than a Brandon Weisler or a, anyone generic that you need yeah. a, a support system.
0: Yeah,
1: and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm there for my brothers. I try to be, uh, and it sounds like it's uh, the feeling is is mutual between you yeah. and and Duff. Heck yeah, well, which is just fantastic. Yeah. It would have been so cool that if he sent back the, the Guns N' Roses plane to dump water on the uh, <laughs> now that would have been great press.
2: Now, that's that's that is creative thinking, yeah. That's, that's a good one, Brandon, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey,
1: pass that message along, maybe. We'll, – yeah, I will uh, see if yeah. anything like that could uh, do, yeah, happen. I'll
2: pass that along. You bet. Did you take
1: any? Like, like some people like ask me, oh, can you get me tickets to this, that? Not knowing that I'm uh, just not Elvis Duran or uh, yeah. Ryan Seacrest, and I don't get tickets like that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I had some friends coming up here for uh, Disturbed. There's like a little theater downstairs here at iHeart, and uh, yeah. I'm I'm allowed to invite friends to that. But that's as far as it goes. But Duff has met, you know, everybody. He's played everywhere. Have you ever said, you know what, I got to go to this show. I want to meet this person. Can you introduce me? You know, or you know, hey. Because Duff is jammed with a lot of people. Hey, you know what? Yeah. Do you think, do they need a horn
2: player? Have you, anything no. like
1: that happen? now?
2: Not one time. That's No, that's no cool. I've never asked them for anything like that. No, a lot of people do, but I've never have. No. But I thought you were going to ask me if people at, come after me to get tickets or whatever to see the, their, you know, see g Oh, that must window. happen all the time. Oh, yeah, it's. Yeah.
1: Don't worry, I'm not gonna ask you. Uh, yeah,
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's where you were going. You want a ticket to the next gig. No, uh, but that but that but I've never asked him for you know, for a, a favor like that. Okay. No. I when when they come to town I'll say, Hey, can you can can you get me, you know, I wanna bring a couple friends and my wife and maybe the kids, can you get us can you get us in? Stuff like that, but not nothing beyond that. No.
1: Okay. No, th- I think that's uh, that's pretty – that says a lot about you that it's uh, – how humble. And just like you're not going to take advantage. Like, hey, this no. is my brother, but no. I never no. thought like, oh, you know, hey, you're playing with the Stones. Hey, can you introduce me to Mick no. Jagger?
2: No, no, would not – no, don't take advantage of him that way. No way. No. Right on. Would not – yeah. I guess it would occur to me, but I would never actually do it, no.
1: Okay. Uh, this question actually just came in in real time. This is uh, yeah. I love it when it's a podcast and these things happen. Yeah. Uh, this is from a uh, Duff McKagan, uh, Argentina. So obviously, a oh fan yeah. site. Oh, you're yeah.
2: familiar. <laughs> oh yeah, with well, the Argentina yeah group. Yeah, sure.
1: Well, they actually said that they um, and this happened before I get to the question, that you're you're a hard guy to to talk to. Like everyone's like, oh my god, Matt, how did this happen? And I'm like, I just sent him a very friendly message on Facebook, and he's been nice since. I really didn't think. Oh. I was overwhelmed with like wow I'm like it's Matt McKagan. he's cool but it's you realize it's not duff
2: right and it's not Matt Sorum
1: right but <laughs> no but uh Matt McKagan,
2: not yeah Duff's brother Matt yeah, yeah.
1: people were excited to talk to you, and of course saw so well, I,
2: gets I think on Facebook they because they 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 try to friend me a lot <clears throat> and I I don't know you know I'm not going to just not going to go there <laughs> nothing against anybody trust me but I just don't want to
1: you know, do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a private. See, that was going to be, um, I'll get to this question. I'll, I'll put a pin in it, but it's like a private versus public, public life yeah, question. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Duff uh, McKagan, excuse me, the Duff McKagan Argentina one was, yeah. uh, our question to Matt, as a music yeah. teacher, what do you think about the different styles of music that have emerged? And how do you see uh, the, world, uh, the world music scene?
2: Oh man, I, I don't know how, if I can answer that. Well, how about this? Have you yeah. seen
1: what have you seen in the music uh, change from maybe your students from when you started to now? Like, is there any sort of way you go about teaching your students the things that they want to play? Your approach is anything? I, I don't know if it's a similar question or.
2: Uh, I I don't know if I can. I don't know. My my answer is probably going to be totally lame for your <laughs> listener, but but the the really the answer is that, you know I get the kids when they're you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Right. And they're very formative musical years. And when I get them, I'm basically teaching them the, the build, building blocks of how to play music. Like, here's how you, you know, take the instrument out of the case so the parts don't fall on the ground. You know, I mean, I started square one with these kids. So the, that process of, you know, figuring out what they're going to play and then, and then getting the instrument and then opening up the case and learning how to put it together and to get a sound out of it, I mean, that... That process has not changed since I started teaching. I mean, there are certain steps that, no matter what's happening in the in the music industry, that process will not change. I mean, to to learn how to play the saxophone is, you know, the steps required to teach that and to, you know, to to start a student like that have not changed.
1: But they're not trying to like, hey, you have to learn this laptop now, and you have to learn how to.
2: Oh. Okay, so there sure there's there's stuff in tech, technology uh, that has certainly changed quite a bit in, in my career so far, but but learning how to play acoustic instruments is not, and primarily what I teach are you know brass and woodwind and percussion instruments which are all acoustic. I mean I teach bass too, and piano, but but those those acoustic instruments have not changed. And I think it's kind of refreshing because you can look at a, a trumpet, and a trumpet has not, has has been exactly the same for 150 years. You know, they, so these acoustic instruments have not changed, and I think it's kind of neat that you know the kids were teaching them how to play these instruments that are, you know, everything else around them is changing. But True. you teach them how to read music, and music has not changed one bit. I mean, the music the Mozart wrote in in 1780 is exactly the same music that we're that we're that we're playing now you know it has not changed
1: You're right you give so, them uh you give them a phone give them two months they're going to get yeah, a new phone exactly yeah right.
2: but trumpet, so i remember I was student, my, when i was doing my in college and i was learning how to play all because i have to learn how to i'd have to know how to play all the instruments because i have to teach them all so i was learning how to play french horn and this guy from the studios came in and he was he was auditing the class and he he came up to me afterwards and he goes you know he saw us working really hard to learn how to play the French horn, and he goes, you know, they have, they have machines that could do that now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, but, <laughs> but, there's, but, but still, you know, we've got to figure this out. So there's just something organic about it that I, I find to be really kind of neat.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, actually, some more uh, questions coming in real time. Love it. Uh, Betty Co. 64 and you kind of touched on some of them. Maybe there's more we didn't, uh, but that's how many instruments do you play, what's your favorite?
2: Oh, I, I don't know if I could. I've, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I've been playing the trombone the longest, so I guess that I would have to go with that one. But I, I play, I play the flute, clarinet, saxophone, trumpet, tuba, percussion, euphonium. Uh, you know, I, I some better than others, but but I have playing knowledge of all of them. Nice, because I have to. I mean, you know, I teach beginning students, so I have to be able. To, I can't teach them if I don't know how to do it.
1: Oh, of course, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh another question uh Diego, uh what what music style does it represent uh what 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 music style represents you the most? Would it oh, be jazz. Would it be jazz, sure. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah.
1: That's what I I figured. Uh but I wanted to give this guy uh, credit for 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 that as well.
2: Yeah. Um yeah. What was but it? The, like? the, but Benny Goodman, uh, the clarinet player, jazz clarinet player, sure. uh called the King of Swing, but he he did a concert in in uh 1938 his it was his jazz band was the first band to play at Carnegie Hall and they so they did this performance that it was, ended up being yeah, very historic I think was, there's a recording of it in the Smithsonian anyway I've got a, a group of uh 13 and 14 year olds that are that are really pretty good and I'm doing the same music that he did at Carnegie Hall in 1938 we're doing it coming up in a few months we're working on it now but it was, it's been 80 years since that concert it was that was what did I say 1938 and it's what is it 2018 now so it's been 80 years so we're going to do kind of a tribute concert so I think it's kind of neat that I that you know that I I actually have 13 to 14 year old kids that are I think good enough to be able to play that music that his band played in 1938.
1: Well oh, it's amazing. and That's a yeah. testament to to you.
2: Well, it, uh, maybe but also <laughs> just you know like it just sometimes you get a group of kids that are just you know really swinging.
1: Does Duff ever come to you and say, you know what, can you teach me how to play this? Like, uh, if he wants to expand his horizons more than just bass, if you want to... We've
2: talked about stuff like that, but I've never sat down and, like, you know, showed him how to do something. Not that I remember. Okay. Yeah. Not, not that I... Yeah.
1: What was it like for, for you when... Because, uh, again, we can keep you here forever, but yeah. uh, I don't know if you have... Uh, papers to grade or and I don't are you
2: Well, uh, you know, the school is just everything's canceled around here. The schools uh, closed, so everything's hmm. all the the fires, yeah. So,
1: so yeah, so everything's that's
2: Yeah. How about another 10 minutes? Okay, no, perfect. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs>
1: um yeah. what was it like for you when I guess uh GNR reunited um cuz you know Duff still had success with no velvet revolver and loaded. Yeah. You know Mike yeah. Squires who yeah who very did our, musical
2: groups. Oh my god, yeah, great velvet revolver. Oh man, that group was killing. Did you
1: yeah. uh, did you get to see them? Did you get
2: to yeah. see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was awesome. Yeah, but how did I feel when, when GNR got back yeah, together again? It's,
1: it's kind of. I mean, we were compared, like maybe it's like uh, you know divorced parents getting back together again. It, oh
2: no, I was really excited. Really excited. I remember talking to him before it happened, and we were sort of and thinking, "Wow, if this if this really goes, this will be really fun." That was our, that was my thinking. I think it was his thinking too. That it'd be really fun. Did you think? I think it has been really fun.
1: Yeah, they just played a date as of you know yesterday or the day before. I forget you know where in the world I am, let alone they are. I know. I know. Did you foresee it going this long? Did 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 you just think it was just going to be a a, a fun first few gigs because apparently that was the plan according yeah.
2: to Yeah. Yeah, right. They were going to go to South America, I think, or something to do something. Oh no, they were going to go to Australia. Think you'd do something in Australia. But I uh, I don't remember all the details of when they first were talking about it, but I I don't remember thinking about it like what was going to happen. I just thought wow, it would be cool if it actually all the pieces come together and they can actually start playing together again. And what happens after that, we'll just wait and see. But never really thought about the longevity of the, of the group once they got back together again. Think, so I'm kind of thinking now about you know, if they're going to do a recording again, that would be fun.
1: Yeah, you can say no yeah. comment, but nothing has yeah. been mentioned to you by your, your bro. Um, right. Right. understood wink wink say no more i got you yeah yeah did you um because again when i was talking about uh earlier with your your great teacher reviews and it was you know, I think only one or two said, oh, yes, by the way, that is Duff's brother. Now, uh, when, they, when they got reunited and, you know, yes, GNR has always been in my consciousness, but I guess more yeah. the, the world's consciousness that the, you know, Duff, Axel uh, Slash got back together. Do, yeah. you, do you see a difference with your students and being like McKagan? Is that so? Or uh, is it just your Mr. McKagan? They're yeah. too young, they don't know?
2: Yeah, that's part of that. The, the parents know. Parent-teacher conferences, are those weird? No. no. No, everybody's really cool. I think in my area... Because I've been out here for so long and, you know, my reputation is out here uh, that it's sort of he's Mr. McKagan's brother, Duff. Did I did I say that right? Yeah. So, you know, anywhere else, I'm Matt, Duff's brother. Right. But here it's Duff, Matt's brother. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because this is kind of my territory here. So I I don't feel what you're talking about. Okay, it's not weird. I, what is kind of funny is the kids come in wearing G&R shirts, like they, they're kind of the oldie, you know, shirts. Sure. And they don't, they don't really know. They, or just, they don't. <laughs> it, it doesn't occur to them that you know the that the guy on the the you know shirt is my brother. then I kind of look at that and go, yeah. <laughs> I don't say anything, but it's kind of funny.
1: That's a trip. That's a trip. yeah. Do you uh, do you teach Guns N' Roses songs?
2: Um, no, but. But I remember back, uh, it was really funny. I was, we were, it must have been we were, we were doing something in the studio, and I was doing something with Guns N' Roses, and, and I, I got this record from a music publishing company, and it was all this marching band music. And I did, they just sent it, they just sent them out to everybody. So I, I all music teacher, so I ended up getting it. And there was a marching band version, somebody arranged. Well, I think it was Welcome to the Jungle for marching band huh. and I thought wow this is so funny that I took it and played it for them and they hadn't heard it of course why would they hear that and it was really we all kind of think it was kind of funny but no I've never done any GNR music with the band it's not I don't know that it would work well with a you know with the acoustic instruments that I have alright and I, I haven't moved, done
1: it not even moved to the city you know hey this is <laughs> no. a little ditty that I wrote or you know I was a part of
2: no, I haven't. I haven't done that. I, I don't. No. Yeah, well, we did. I guess we did. Uh, we did live and let die, but it was not their version. Okay. But yeah. All I, right. I haven't. But, but uh, fair question. <laughs> I'm, my, I'm sorry my answer isn't better for you, but. No, your
1: your answer yeah. is your answer. I wasn't expecting yeah. anything uh, yeah. in particular. No. Right yeah. on. I yeah. mean, uh, you've been great. You were worried at the beginning, like, oh, if I don't give you the right, you know, good answers. Or yeah. This, like, you're. Yeah. You've just been. As, as nice as I, I've said to people when you're just like, wow, you got Matt, Matt McKagan? I'm like, like <laughs> how hard is that? And I said, he's been nice to me in texts and emails. I mean, I, I he's not, I don't get the impression that I, you know, I don't. Know, like maybe I know how to write an email to to somebody instead of just. I, well,
2: I don't, I, I don't know. I'm sorry that people don't think I'm a nice person. I, I no, not that I, you're not
1: I, nice. I think it was like uh, he doesn't talk like you're inaccessible.
2: Like most oh, GNR guys are. That's what oh, I. Oh, mean. that's just well, like I, like we talked about this, for privacy reasons. But I sure. But but when I got the information from you, I I talked to Duff about it, and he said, yeah, it sounds like fun. Oh wow. So so yeah, so he knows that I'm doing it. And uh, yes. so I wanted to make sure he was cool with it because we're talking about him. So I wanted to make sure that, that but if he said, no, I don't, I, you know, and I would have told you, sorry.
1: Well, I, I respect that. Cool. Yeah, I, I respect that. And uh, thanks, Duff, for allowing your, <laughs> your brother to, to do this. That's cool. It was kind of the same thing when I interviewed uh, London Hudson. You know, of course, Slash's uh 15-year-old son. Yeah. He, uh, I had to get approval from, from Slash and Perla. So yeah. that, this is interesting. So now I, I got uh, interviewed, a Duff's yeah. brother, nice. uh, slash his son. Maybe next will be Axel's periodontist. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. How, we'll see what I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All but, right. But I, I, I'll let you go. I mean, I don't know okay. if there's a Seahawks game going on right they're, now. is. They're
2: playing the Rams at 1:30. Yeah. Uh, okay.
1: All right. My, I've already given up on my Giants this year.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, well, Eli's under some hot some. Yeah, the criticism, isn't
1: he? It's it's not even just him. And I love the fact that you guys are all diehard sports fans, and that just kind of gets me into it, uh, it yeah. more as well. Because yeah. uh, Del James is a big Giant fan, uh, yeah. but it's it's just, they're just a bad team. They're just a bad team. But uh, it's funny. I was going to ask uh, Mike Squires to co-host this episode, but he oh. got invited to go to the Jets game, who are oh. also horrendous. So I'm like, you go yeah. enjoy – that, but at least you and I, Giants and Seahawks fans, we have Super Bowls in our consciousness. Yeah. We remember.
2: Well, you didn't, that last against the Patriots didn't. Oh, man, we were all together for that one. That oh. Was, oh, my God. That uh, was, uh,
1: Marshawn Lynch. He should have I'm yeah. oh, sorry. I don't want to, <laughs> that's too much. I don't want to, you know. I, yeah. yeah. Um, but if, if there's anything, because I know you're a private guy, but if there's yeah. anything uh, at Lindero Canyon Middle School, any sort of like benefits going on, that you want to get out there? That good work that they're doing, I'd be happy to pass that
2: oh, along. Yeah, I think I, I no, I think we're good. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's our community is so supportive out here. No big sales. I appreciate you asking, but I think we're I think we're good.
1: Are you doing yeah. anything for the fires? Are you guys doing anything with like the Red Cross? Any like any? Uh, are you
2: aware of it? I will see why I haven't been at school since it's since it's closed. So okay. once we get back, we might we will probably end up doing something. Okay, we if, do stuff in our community all the time.
1: Okay, if there's anything that you yeah. know that I can do, that people can donate, just okay. send me an email message. I'll be happy to to yeah. post that for people. Thanks, to Brandon. Me. Yeah, thanks, man. No, of course. Yeah. Whatever yeah. I can do, short of sending the Guns N' Roses uh, <laughs> plane over there dumping water. <laughs>
2: Like I said, that was a great idea. Very thank you. Yeah. Well, okay. this was
1: a pleasure, Matt. If uh, yeah, now that fun. you have your co-host chops underneath you, if you ever want to come on <laughs> with your brother to interview him, or even like your your niece Grace uh, to interview her. Oh yeah. I've reached That's out good. to her. No, nothing <laughs> yeah. yet, but yeah. you know, you're you're always welcome on. Of course, if you ever are out here in New York, you're more yeah. than welcome to come down to the studio. Uh, but
2: appreciate that. I'll send on a, a, a good word to, to Grace about about you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that.
2: Yeah. So, you have a good time. Just yeah.
1: thank you for taking the time. Sure, Brandon. All right, Matt. Okay. You good have a great well. day. Okay.
0: okay. you too. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: That was cool. Very very friendly, very easygoing. Um I didn't know that he asked Duff's permission. <laughs> I didn't know. That was kind of a uh, a pleasant surprise cuz you know I had some thoughts for uh, a co-host uh, it didn't work out as I mentioned, you know, Mike Squires was my original uh thought cuz I don't think I've had him back on here since he he gave me uh the theme song and you know, we, we we've talked about him coming back with with uh, with Rouse, but it just didn't work out uh, yet. Didn't work out yet. So, like, all right, it's, it's going to be me and Matt talking about brothers, about Duff. But that was a nice little surprise. Duff gave the uh, the thumbs up. So, thank you, Duff. <laughs> Not like I expect him to listen to it. But I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate all of you. You know, again, uh, 91 episodes. There, there's a lot of ways to entertain yourself. In 2018, which just sounds like a masturbation joke, but you know what I mean. The the screen in front of you, uh, different movies, Netflix, Hulu, you know, concert, different ways. The fact that you take time out of your day, whether it's commuting to work, whether it's at work, whether it's, you know, babysitting your kids, whatever, wherever you listen to this, however you listen to it, the fact that you're taking time really means a lot. It, It really does. And I know you're here more for Matt McKagan or our Last Guest Uh, Michael Monroe, you're here to listen to them more than me, but you're still taking time to listen to this platform. And it uh, it means a lot. It's why I keep going. It's why there's 91 episodes in the can. So whether you found us on uh, AlternativeNation.net, on uh, the iHeartRadio app, on Spreaker, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, uh, we're soon going to have our first 50 episodes up on YouTube. All you have to do is put on appetite, put in appetite for distortion in YouTube, and you'll get the first um, at least I think for now first 40 episodes, but maybe by the time this is posted, uh, first 50. And uh, remember, episode 50 includes it uh, was an episode with uh, Rob Gardner, the original Guns N' Roses drummer. And uh, our friend Raz Q is helping me build the YouTube channel. And that's when Raz debuted the very first uh, GNR radio interview ever from 1985. So you can listen to it now on any of those platforms, but it'll be uh, also up on YouTube soon. Uh, In the meantime, you know, Matt McKagan, he was a suggestion uh, from you, the listeners. Uh, That's a lot of people I get uh, just suggestions from as far as episode topics, guests, and it just... It's awesome. You are the producers of this show, and sometimes you are also the co-hosts of this show. So this is our podcast night train that keeps going, and the only way it's going to keep going is if you continue to support by downloading, streaming, sharing, following on Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD show, or on Twitter at the AFD show. You can also follow me on Instagram at Brando. I'll post some podcasts and GNR stuff up there as well. And I don't know about you, I have a lot of friends I'll see in my Facebook timeline. Hey, I'm looking for a podcast to listen to. Of course, I suggest mine, but you could also suggest mine. And not just to the diehard GNR fans. I think we talk about enough that it's Guns N' Roses, yeah, it's a nice you know, little jumping-off point or uh, it's in the center of our universe, but we have a lot of interesting conversations around that. So I think if you're a fan of fun conversation, insightful conversation— uh, and, of course, Guns N' Roses, to a degree, whether high or low, whatever it is, you'll enjoy Appetite for Distortion. And I think you already know that because you're listening. So, again, I appreciate it. Again, my name is Brando. Uh, what's going to happen for Episode 92? I don't know yet. I haven't decided. I have some uh, uh, some thoughts out there. I believe we're going to interview uh, Arian Bueller again, uh, who did the lithographs. And he started to do some more lithographs for this next uh, leg, so I'm gonna talk and talks with him about when when's the right date. Uh, there will be a time. I do talk to a uh, Doug Goldstein on here, former Guns N' Roses manager. I want to give a shout out to what he's gonna primarily talk about. And that's what he's he's currently doing now. Uh, it's a foundation called Matthew's Hope, and it has to do with a uh, opioid addiction recovery, which is a fucking big deal. It's a it's killed a lot of our our rock stars, our people, and not just our family and our friends. So. Uh, it's it's cool that, that Doug is doing this now. So I want to get his, you know, his life up until now. Like, why is he dedicating his life to this now? Because there's always a reason. Like, why did Matt, you know, get into teaching? Why did Duff? You know, I I, I like the way we learn how something ticks, right? I think so. That's why we're doing the Guns N' Roses podcast. We're finding out all the different ways this band ticks. I think so. Right. Uh, anyway, until the next one. When are you going to see the next episode of Appetite for Distortion? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Thanks to the
0: lame ass security, I'm going home.